The views and opinions expressed on the following program are not necessarily those of the staff and management of Salem Media of Hawaii. Welcome to Design Talk Hawaii with your host, Matt Gilbertson. Design Talk Hawaii is brought to you by MGA Architecture. And now, here's Matt. Well, welcome back again to another edition of Design Talk Hawaii. As you know, each and every Friday we bring you this show to introduce to you new creative people in our community. All around you, there are people doing special things in creativity, in, in design, in all sorts of special, uh, special careers in the music, in the uh, music industry, in the theater industry, in acting, in directing, all sorts of things. And many of you probably don't even know they are sitting right next to you or they're living right next to you in your, uh, in your condo building or in your neighborhood. So the point here is to bring you those people and let you hear some of the stories that, they're, that they uh, can tell you about their career, how they've arrived at where they are, and where they're going, um, and their opinions about some of the uh, insights into our creative community. We, you know, we have such a diversity and every day we have to be reminded of that. And our creative people are actually a huge engine in our community. We just had a uh, – last week there was a celebration. I want to do a shout-out to Georgia Skinner, who was celebrated as one of the women who mean business in our community by PBN. Uh, I was lucky enough to attend the session with her, sit at her table, and actually help sponsor her uh, her uh, participation in the, in the event. Uh, she's been a creative force at the uh, at DBED, uh, Creative Industries, for – for I guess at least a decade, if not more. So shout out to you, Georgia. Congratulations. Uh, you're a real mover and shaker in our community, and we wish the best to you. Keep doing what you're doing because it's bringing all of our creative people into the limelight and giving them real skills about how to be, uh, how to bring, how to monetize what they do, as they say in the industry, and to make them uh, viable uh, businesses so they can flourish and and actually not just work as uh, work as starving artists, as many of us often talk about. So. Um, anyway, back to the show. We have a really special guest today. Oh, by the way, first, if you want to find us, uh, you can always offer us guests or ideas or commentary on the show. You can find us at Facebook at Design Talk Hawaii, LinkedIn at Design Talk Hawaii, or you can just email me at matt at designtalkhawaii.com, and I'll get your message. And if you have any suggestions about guests or directions for the show, uh, we're always evolving. We're always changing. And we've got some special things coming up. Uh, I'll be able to announce shortly with some collaborations we're doing with some of our former guests actually uh, on the show. So all things are happening. It's really it's really coming together. Design Talk Hawaii has been around just over three years now, and it, it you know it's starting to take root in our community, and people are starting to uh, I think appreciate the opportunity to speak about their creative endeavors and have an audience listen in and and build a community that knows about each other a little bit more. We all live in our silos of our creative worlds or in our, our business worlds, and we don't get a chance to interact too often. So that's what this show is all about. So today we have a very special guest, uh, Jason Walter. He is a marketing and communications professional and a true creative. He's also a poet, painter, and photographer. Uh, but Jason also has been uh, has recently, five years now, been the marketing director for Hawaii Opera Theater. Welcome, Jason. Hey, you met. Appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, great to hear. I see you do digital marketing, copywriting, branding. So that means you're a pretty good writer as well, huh? Is that where you come from? The writing. <laughs> I, I don't. World? I come from the writing world. Uh, I would never say that I'm pretty good, and I think that's part of it. And a lot of artists are very critical of their work. <laughs> I think. I honestly, I agree. When I think artists are even overcritical of their own work, right? Um, I, it's sort of the nature of the beast, right? Whatever someone else is doing is better than what you're doing by looking across the table. Remember in school. In architecture school, it's the same thing. You know, we'd have 20 people doing the same project, and we'd look across and see what the other person has come up with, and we're going, oh, that's so much better than ours. 
But yeah. they look across at yours and say the same thing, right? I think uh, we can be uh, slowed down by complacency. So it's always good to have a little bit of hunger and want to improve and refine whatever art you're working on. So I think that uh, as I've evolved in my own personal journey, that's really the direction is how can I be you know, a better human, really. And, and a big part of me as a human being. Uh, initially, the first art I touched was writing. And as I've gotten older and continued my journey, it's uh, evolved from there into other art forms. Mm. So you started at writing and that evolved to poetry, I assume, right? When I was a child, my mom always jokes. Uh, she talks about the first book I ever wrote, and it was Lenny the Lime Licking Lad. And I, I don't remember what grade I was in, but from an early age, everyone would tell me, you should be a writer, you should be a writer, you should be a writer. And I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. My dreams were to be Indiana Jones, a pirate, a pro wrestler, and then help people. So well, those are very similar, huh? <laughs> I don't see the pro wrestler in you, man. I'm sorry. Oh, actually, I I, uh, I got my purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu last year, so I've, really? I've grappled. Oh, uh... I take it back. <laughs> don't make me suffer for that comment. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> it's all good. Um, but yeah, those were my dreams as a kid, and as I got older, um, I, I was very logic-driven, and I allowed that to be the, uh, the driver for me. But I, I couldn't really find, uh, I guess, my fit, and... Um, when I am 37, I'll be 38 this year, but when I turned 30, I went through a series of uh, life-changing, but you know, a lot of loss at once. Uh, mm-hmm. I had a relationship end unexpectedly, and at the time, and you know, it's, it's so funny when you look back in hindsight, because wherever you were, it's the end of the world, right? right, when, right. when you're going through the worst yet, and then the worst yet finds you again, as does the best yet. Mm-hmm. But I went through this, this end of a relationship, wasn't prepared for that, and I had gotten laid off um, for the fourth time in my life, and I was just like, what's going on? Like, I'm young, I just want to help people, like, what am I doing wrong? And then there was just like a two-week window, and then day 15, my grandfather died, and mm-hmm. uh, I was pretty close with him growing up. Um, I had my... Uh, Where did you grow up, by the way? I grew up in Hilo. I was born here in uh, Honolulu, uh, the old Kaiser Hospital. And actually, going back to the writer trip, I would always have to do those school assignments where they would be like, okay, tell your biography, and uh, write your autobiography. And um, I would say I grew up, you know, in the, or I was born in the old Kaiser Hospital in Waikiki. I guess you could say I began life with a bang because it was imploded on an episode of Magnum P.I. So, oh, really? I would, <laughs> oh, I, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, would, I would just always joke with that. You know, so I, I think that's part of my style, too, is try to find the comedy in life. But when I hit that period of loss, um, you know, I had to kind of laugh at myself, step back, and really go within, you know, and, and I'm... I would consider myself a spiritual person and just, uh, you know, also a seeker, you know, and I think a lot of that vibes with being a creative and uh, with creativity and expression. So as I learned to allow that sensitivity to kind of come forth and uh, allow myself to be inspired, I think it's, it's led me since. And I started doing a lot of dream studies a few years before that. And so going back to my dreams as a, a child, I stepped back and I looked at it and I thought, okay, what is the symbolism here? So Indiana Jones, pirate, pro wrestler, adventure help people service and then i kind of had this aha moment where i was just like all right if i look at that and as long as i feel like i'm having an adventure in service then then i'm more free and i'm more free to live and be and you know just create and and that's you know really unconventional journey how i ended up where i am today 
And uh, I mean, my bachelor's degree is in religion, you know, so going back to what I just said about mm. being spiritual, mm. you know, so I was always seeking, always looking for answers, just searching for meaning. And, and I think a lot of it is, um, you know, like life can be meaningful, it can be meaningless, and we're defining it ourselves. And it feels better for me to define a life of meaning. You know, otherwise I'm just swaying through chaos and that doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. And going through that period of loss, it's like the light just flew on and it's just like, all right, I need to live differently. Mm. And I need to figure out what's going to make me feel fulfilled, not based on what society tells me or what other people have told me how to live, but who am I and, and what am I here to do? Why am I here to experience this short blip of time? Mm. You know, I can I can definitely relate to that. I've had those moments. Isn't it weird how you do, you have those confluences of situations and circumstances that come together and they do that to you? I had several of those in my life. It seemed to always rotate. Ironically, it rotated around decade points for me. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if it does that for other people, but it always seemed to hit right around the decade marks in my life. It's pretty similar. I mean. Um when I was around 10, that's when I found out we were moving, you know, and again, what I said earlier about going back to it's life ending, you know, I remember having my first, I would term it my crisis of faith because I can remember praying and being like, no, I want to stay here. And, you know, my, this is all I knew. And then we moved to the big island and um, I came back about a decade later for college. Right. And, you know, so same thing. And here I am about a decade later as well. And so I, I totally agree. I think, uh, Life has its uh, ebb and flow and its rhythm, and it's it's up to us to learn to to flow with that. And actually, if you observe the natural world around us, um, it, it allows me to feel more peace, at least. Especially when you when you step back and you look at what's going on in the world, it'd be so easy to get caught up in, you know, getting smashed by what's going on and just mm -hmm. what can carry in our brains. But yeah. you know, there's high, there's low tide, there's night, there's day, there's seasons, and and that's one of the things too. Um, I think in Hawaii, we can kind of be a little bit too complacent about the seasons and because uh, we always have spring and summer here, right, you know, right, but yeah. that doesn't mean we're not subject to seasons in life. Mm -hmm. So it's it's just a fascinating journey in that regard. Well, you are a very spiritual person. I can sense it in just the way you're, I, you know, you're, you've uh, gone on a lot of journeys already. How old are you, you said? I will be 38 in a few months. Oh, you look younger, but... Uh... But your life, your life you've lived already, that is, did you say you started with this spiritual sense from very young age? You knew that you had this, this, uh, I, I did. I, at early age, awareness, I, 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 would I, say. I had an awareness and a connection, uh, but I, I didn't know what that meant. I needed more life experience to, to understand process a little bit more. I was always, you know, just sensitive to not only what I was feeling, but I could pick up on what was going on with my parents, my friends, my family. Um, and as I've gotten older and, and just studied and opened up more, I, I feel like when I hit that point at 30, it was just like, all right, you know, I, um, I've been playing hokey pokey with, with this. It's like, all right, my mm. hands in, I'm saved, you know, my mm. foot's in, I'm saved. But then it's like, how do I build this foundation? Mm. And it's linked with creativity. It's linked with art. You know, I think spirit in essence, if you trace its root, it's, um, to be inspired, you know, it's, it's breath, you know, and I think a lot of people get too caught up in, one way versus the other way, and in reality, we're all trying to figure it out. And so, so you haven't, you haven't, you wouldn't consider yourself in falling into one of the conventionals on the spiritual side, the conventional church, conventional. You know, it's funny. Uh, structure. I had a conversation with a, a pastor here. Uh, his name's Kevin Sweeney, and he's he'd be a great person for you to talk to someday. He mm -hmm. he runs a church. Um, imagine. 
and uh, they actually do it out of Bevy Bar. And he was talking about how, wow, you have a really unconventional journey to God. So my personal belief and how I'll always define it, especially uh, with my deep connection being born and raised here in, in Hawaii, is Aloha uh, God is love. So that's my belief. Um, you know, I was raised Catholic. I've studied a lot of Buddhism. I was a religion major, so I was exposed to all sorts of different things. But I, I just really try to just be open and just feel connection. You know, and I don't think it's my place to judge another person on how they find that. Like what's working for me works for me because I've allowed myself to go into it. You know, I, I've, I've removed constraints, but that doesn't mean it's going to be the same thing for somebody else. And I would never encourage someone to follow me because, you know, um, I think it was Joseph Campbell who said that we need our own religions, you know, and, and, if, you, and if you look at it and his argument was that basically people have um, followed certain faiths based on what worked for the founder and it works to them to a point, but they're not the same person as the founder. We're all unique. We got unique footprints, you know, our spirits, our souls are unique. And I think that, um, you know, there'll be things that, that work for me, maybe 70%, you know, in Christianity, but there's also things that work for me, 80% in Buddhism and, and Islam and who knows, you know, like mm -hmm. as I continue my journey and open up, the more and more do I, I, I just step back to nature and, and I, I try to go into that you know, that sense of what is it? It's it's aloha. And I've experienced that everywhere I've gone on this earth thus far. Now, granted, I'm not as well-traveled as some people, but I've been across the country a few times and I've been to Asia and I hope to continue traveling. And it's really funny because everywhere I go, I find some piece of of home, of, of Hawaii. And uh, I, it's funny because I've actually had the opportunity to travel with people and tell that to them. And then they trip out because it happens without a doubt, every single time. My girlfriend mm -hmm. and I just went to um, Osaka for the first time. I'd never been to Western Japan and she'd never been to Japan, period. And we get on the train at the airport and the conductor picks up his bag and he's got two Hawaii keychains on it. And I just, you know, <laughs> to me, I, I think of it as going back to the, what I said about the humor point too. Like right. I think we can get so serious and wrapped up in heavy in life, but it's it's a cosmic joke. You know, we got to find a way to laugh, to love, to, to enjoy it because mm -hmm. it's short. You know, and if that's one thing that I've learned from uh, learning from and speaking with, with, you know, Kapuna, older people, it's that this will go by, you know, make the most out of it, mm -hmm. like be where you are. And so, yeah, to go back to your question, I don't necessarily think I have one, but I definitely have an unconventional journey to, mm -hmm. to where, where I am today in wow. my beliefs. Well, as a guy who's about 20 years older than you, I can tell you those same mysteries and those same questions continue. And sure. <laughs> I, I've, ne I've never dug in as deep as you have, but I can tell you that uh, um, I'm sitting at that other place on the other side of 20 years. And it's fascinating. It's fascinating to think of how I've gotten where I am and the thoughts that have crossed my path and the situations that have evolved for me to where I am. And uh, I'm the, I used to call, when I was in college, I came up with a concept called a, a culture of one. Hmm. This was back when it started to become possible to stay in your home and never interact you know, because of the internet and things like that. And I came up with this sort of idea that everybody becomes a culture of one. We used to be influenced culturally by all the, by being out in the community, that our community would influence us more directly. It was possible now to not do that, which we're seeing unfortunate ramifications of it all over the world. But um, what you're speaking about is a spirituality of one, really. Mm. As I, it crossed my mind as you were saying that. It's more of a spirituality of one, which doesn't mean isolation. It just means... A, a personalized uh, spiritualization that can be customized to each individual and should be is what you were seem to suggest. It's, it's natural for it to be a customized 
spirituality. Huh? Yeah, I would, I would, I totally agree. You yeah. know, I think uh, life is a it's a house of mirrors, and and if you dig deep enough in it, you'll find resonance in all the mirrors. And and we have to find a way to make peace. And uh, the only peace that I've found has been within. And by turning my attention there and allowing that, then I can if experience it without. You know, it's it's yeah. it's not dependent. Um, I used to do some work with people where I would, you know, in a spiritual sense, but uh, people come from all over, really, and um, they would be so sad to leave Hawaii. And I was just like, you know, this is a mirror of what you already have. You can only feel this because you have it. Mm. But we we forget that. We think we're dependent on that relationship, that job, that, that physicality, that you know, physical connection. Yeah, yeah, which really doesn't. Yeah. Well, let's come back. We got to take our break. Okay. We'll come back and continue <laughs> the conversation. We're at a deep end of the pool already. I love it. Let's get deeper. Anyway, we'll be right back with Jason Walter on Design Talk Away. And now, back to Matt Gilbertson and Design Talk Hawaii on AM 760. Design Talk Hawaii with Jason Walter. He's a marketing and communications professional, but a creative and a, a truly uh, philosophical thinker and has a great perspective on, on life in general at a, I would call it a very young age, young man, you know, uh, Thank as, you. A, as an old guy over here talking to someone in his 30s. Uh, it, I would say I didn't evolve. I've always had an in, in, indication of things that you've had more of an awareness of, uh, but it didn't hit me until I was about 40. That's when I realized that I had been on a treadmill of a game that was kind of ridiculous and unwinnable. And, you know, all along, like you said, what, I don't know how you said it, but you said that um, I knew I was, well, how did you say that? All along you knew that you, it was kind of this funny game you were playing, but you didn't admit it to yourself. How did you say that again? Oh, uh, the hokey pokey. Yeah, it's my, my spiritual hokey pokey. Yeah. 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 Well, actually, um, I mean, yeah, from an early age, uh, to recap, you know, I felt something early on. But, um, and it's interesting how you talked about decade points, but, but for me too, it's almost like every seven years. So it's eerie because I'm 37, 30 and, was a thing, but 23. And the Bible, well, I mean, I'm not a Bible guy, but the Bible <laughs> says seven years, right? And there's a seven-year well, cycle in the Bible of things like so that. So 14 years ago at the age of 23, yeah. uh, I'm a religion major. Mm-hmm. And I was training Muay Thai. Uh, martial arts has also been a very big thing for me, but I was introduced to a lot of Buddhism because of uh, Muay Thai. And 
I was reading a book by a Vietnamese uh, Buddhist, Buddhist monk named Thich Nhat Hanh, and uh, it was called Pieces Every Step. And the core principle of it was breathe and smile. And I was, I was like, oh, it's so cool. But then I found myself trying to breathe and smile, and, and I had a hard time. And I was like, What's, why can't I do it? So I'm on a plane. I was visiting my parents back home in Hilo, and I was coming back to Oahu. And I'm sitting there, and um, the whole concept of the book is breathe and smile, mindfulness, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Which I I call okayness, but I'll talk about that later if you like. But anyway, this guy squeezes by me. At first, I was stoked because I thought that I had the whole road to myself, and this guy squeezes by me, and I'm like, ugh. And then I, immediately, I catch myself, and I'm like, wow, like the whole book is mindfulness and be okay with what's going on, and boom, I failed right there. So I was kind of chuckling. So anyway, it's a normal flight, as you would expect, and then we start to make our descent and land. So the plane's going down, and all of a sudden, it veers sharply upwards, so naturally, I got afraid. And uh, it really threw me off because I'd never been through anything like that. Mm-hmm. And they didn't tell us right away what was going on. And then uh, eventually an announcement's made, oh, the landing gear wouldn't go down. We're, we're working on getting corrected. You know, mm-hmm. please be patient with us. And so um, the way I had learned to process the different emotions, and I think many men, uh, we've, we encounter that, but it's, it's humor. You mask your fear, your sadness, your anger um, with humor. Or if you're angry, then you're loud, you're volatile. Right. You know, so I, I made a joke out of my fear. And the guy looks at, like sits next to me. He looks at me and he's like, "Don't worry, it won't be forty years before you begin to wonder if your work here is done." And I'm like, tripping Whoa, out, like you know, thing. chicken Whoa. skin. It's just unreal. And I'm like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Oh, I read spirits." And I'm holding my book and I'm thinking to myself, "I read books." Like, come on, bro. And then, right. so we had this really long conversation, and there's snippets that still stick with me. Mm-hmm. And eventually, we land, we get off the plane, we say our goodbyes. Um, his name was Roy. He lived on Maui. He was a Japanese man. And uh, he said, you know, the spirit of the Hawaiian Islands has a higher calling for you in, uh, you know, you'll meet a a mentor, a Hawaiian man and a Hawaiian woman. They'll prepare you for your path. And I was just like, even more chicken skin. And every time I kind of go back to it and I remember it, it's... Sounds like theater almost, doesn't it? It is, you know, but it's it's eerie too. And I remember remember calling my dad, trying to make sense of it. I talked to my my Muay Thai teacher and like, you know, try to make sense of it. And, and, um, you know, going back to what you're saying about everything being... You know, like certain people coming into your path. Like that wasn't the first time where somebody came into my life and gave me some kind, dropped some kind of knowledge on me where I was like, all right, what do I do with this? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a few years earlier, uh, this woman came. And I, it's funny because I didn't think she was real. I thought she was like a guardian angel, but I was trying to figure out what my next steps were. I was still living in Hilo. I was working at Safeway. It was my first job. I was a courtesy clerk, yeah. bagger. You know, I was, I was frustrated because I'm working in this union and I'm busting my and then you know I'm watching other people kind of just clock in clock out do whatever and then she's just like well what do you want to do and I was like I have no idea and she said well sometimes you got to just make it up you know so my whole life I've had these this conversation right with with something greater than me and these people come in and out of my life and just share these little pearls of wisdom or mm-hmm. drop this knowledge and but don't you think it's important that you are um, recognizing that those things are happening that the, I mean, most people go through life and they don't probably recognize that those things are actually happening to them. Those moments, those interactions with people happen, but they pass them by and they go right in, in one ear and out the other. Somehow you're a receptor of those differently, do you think? Or do you think everyone is picking up on those moments in their life when there's a, I call it a pivot person, a pivot moment, something that they go, I'm going to remember this moment for the rest of my life. I'm going to remember that person, Roy, for the rest of my life, what those words were like. My, call, call it gospel if you want to call it that, right? Something. My my teacher, um, I refer to her as my teacher. She's kind of like my Hanai grandma. It's another kind, you know, I could go on for days about these kind of stories, but even how I met her was uncanny. 
but this woman, Adia, she, um, I tell her, I feel like I'm crazy. And she's like, no, you're mad. You're out there. You know, you're, you're, you're stretching your imagination. You're not losing the curiosity that you had as a child. So mm-hmm. whether it's, I'm, I'm, I'm recognizing it or what, there's just something that I've continued to feed in, in going along this journey. And, and I think it's necessary. I think all of us have to do that. Um, you know, in psychology, they talk about having an inner child, you know, and for a long time, I had this very angry, upset inner child who couldn't mm-hmm. understand the world around them. And then eventually it's been working to parent that part of myself and, and guide it and, and realize that everything's going to be okay. I mean, even we were talking off air about what's going on in the world around us and we're subject to all that negativity, but you know, it's, it's the season we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is the fall or the winter, but spring, summer, right around the corner. And you know what? Yeah. Fall and the winter are going to find us again. So if that's the case, then how do we, you know, as I was saying earlier, go back to the idea of making the peace with it. So I've, I've been fortunate to have people come along, say certain things and be in a place where I was willing enough to, to go further you and, know? To, and to receive the message. Right. Because that's the point I'm getting at on top of what you're saying is so amazing from a perspective of uh Frankly, your age again, and I don't use age as a reference point. You're an old soul, obviously, because you've been <laughs> you've been an early receiver. But you know, we're struggling right now in this world with all of the negativity, as we said. That it's so easy to get to get lost in that conversation and bring up and, and focus on the negativity and stay focused in that culture of one of listening to negativity. You've been able to stay outside and look at the forest. Not get caught up in the trees. It sounds like I still get caught up in the trees. I mean, I'm human. Yeah, but you know, like I, I, I don't get stuck there. I guess mm. you know. Um, I think fear is present for a reason. Uh, I went through this period where I was like, no, I can't be afraid at all, and then the realize hits it. You have all of the emotions and all of the experiences for some kind of purpose, and I do believe that everything happens for a reason. And one of my my mentors which was you know, part of that uncanny thing. I met these people, right? And maybe that seed was planted, but I believed it and I followed through it. And I think that's part of it too. I'm open, mm-hmm. I'm receptive, something happens, I explore it, and then I give energy towards it, which if I'm like planting a seed and I'm watering and nurturing it, it's growing too. So this whole element early on began for me and I've been participating in helping to nurture it and nurture it and nourish and grow that part in my life, but also because it's growing within me. And, um, you know, going back and, and looking at what's going on with, with other people, I think too often we can get stuck in what's going on in the crowd around us, you know, because we want to fit in, we want to conform. And I think innately we want to get along with, with the world and the purpose around us. And right now we got some people in multiple levels of authority, not only just in higher office, but even, you know, in our personal lives that are, are vibing on, on a certain level that, that makes us uncomfortable. And, you know, that is okay because that's where we are. The trick is how do we come together and move forward? And I think sometimes these these things happen because it's a part of a greater uh, discourse that's going on that we're all witness to throughout all of history. And when I study history, when I look at different religions, when I look back at things that have happened uh, at other times, you know, you can see that pattern and that rhythm. And mm-hmm. and I, I do believe it's 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 um you know the essence of it is it's written in the natural world. And I think that's partially what being here in the islands has has given me a lot of Mm. you know and in turn um growing up with that valuing that that helps me to shape what's going on and and i think that the world could benefit from that you know um there's so many people that necessarily come to hawaii and they feel like they're not going to experience what they experience here but 
I met this one um, Kapuna. He's a he's an artist. His name is Prime. And it was funny because I met him last year at 37. So continuing this kind of journey, I wonder if I'm going to meet at 44. But um, he was he was just talking about how, you know, like you just got to trust it, you know. And, and all of us who come here, we're called here. You know, we feel it within ourselves. Gosh, that's amazing because that's there is absolutely no reason I should have ever come here, and yet and stay here. And I've said that so many times. I've been here 28 years, and I was supposed to be here one year. In my mind, my mind and, and the world around me was saying one year. But everything else has kept me here. That's cool. You know, it's, it was it's, a personal. There's a, been a personal manifest uh, maturing that I know I was supposed to go through, and, and staying here was painful to stay. But I could have only done it by being here, and I could only have done the transformations that I've seen in myself and others have seen in me by being here and struggling through that. Had I left, I would have gone back to being something else, probably. Oh, who knows? But I, I don't think I would have ever learned the lessons I've had to learn. Um. And it's, it's hard to describe those things to people, right? I mean, especially, and, and I know it when I see it in comparison to people I know on the mainland who used to know me mm. and how different I feel in my context with that now, right? Yeah. But anyway, but um, I wanted to ask you something. You, I meditated on that quite a bit over the years, but also um, I think it fits in the concept of, of feeling the other. Throughout my life, I've felt like the other. So, you know, if you look at me, you think, oh, this Howley's from wherever, but you know my my bloodline is very mixed. Both of my grandmothers are from Hawaii, and you just you just never know how your journey will unfold. Um, you know, growing up, um, I have an Okinawan grandmother and I had a Chinese grandmother. And my Chinese grandmother, the year before she passed away, I was thirty two at the time. Uh, one of my aunts said, "Oh, you know, we tracked down some some paperwork, and actually." You know, Gran is Hawaiian, and then we were like tripping because throughout her life, people would be like, "Oh, what are you Hawaiian Chinese? What?" And she would she would never talk about it. She's like, oh, "I'm just Chinese." Her maiden name was He, but um, apparently in her lineage, there was you know Hawaiian and Caucasian and Chinese, and so it was funny because um, years earlier, one of my other mentors had mentioned that I you know I said like, well, you're gonna find out when they watch, and so I growing up and how that fits in the context of being a man and the other like growing up I, I always felt like the other you know like uh, I felt like oh I'm just holy I don't belong and I didn't understand that as a child you know like I love Hoi I, lo- I love my family I love my grandma I had people telling me that's not your grandma and I'm standing I'm sitting there I'm tripping on like what do you mean I didn't understand it and I remember having a conversation conversation with my dad and I thought and he had the same experience but with his mom I thought god how painful would that be to be in a place where you're there with your mother and people are treating you differently until they realize that it's your mother. Mm-hmm. You know, so then as I've gotten older and kind of explored what it means to me to be a man, but also like my identity, right? Um, it's it's what is the whole person, you know? And I think uh, that's also why I've propelled myself deep in the spiritual element of it and trying to see it a more connected picture. So I think being being a man um it's, it's recognizing it's being human you know it's masculine it is feminine it's a human being uh and the same thing for women it's it's being um being allowed to be masculine in a healthy way and, and be feminine in a healthy way and i think right now where the world is if you look at the extremes um it's coming to a head and it's it's very unhealthy you know there's a lot of people that are very upset and for good reason and and who on one level are we to say um another person is wrong for being upset you know maybe we don't agree with them and that's fine but our experiences are all vastly different so what you had shared about you know the generation coming out of world war ii the world where it was that you know a great depression war conflict that's a heavy consciousness to collectively have to wade through and i think um we're at that kind of point again too so how do we move forward and how do we 
carry humanity to a greater level, you know, and then there'll be new challenges that none of us will experience, but our, um, our children, our loved ones, children will experience. So mm-hmm. I think that's just, it's just all part of it, you know, and, um, traveling to other parts of the world, not being able to speak the language, thinking about the concept of the other, you know, in a, in a sense that, okay, I'm not only am I just a man, I'm a human, you know, but like, and not only this, so everywhere I've gone, I felt like the other, I mean, I go to the mainland, I open my mouth and if, um, you know, I can, I feel like I speak really proper English. Um, you know, I can turn it off and on and a lot of local people will joke about that. But um, it's apparent that certain inflections cannot be erased from how I speak. And so I go places and people are like, where are you from? Where are you? You know, but then I go to Asia and they're like, no, you're not just white. You're like, what else are you? <laughs> so it's yeah. it's the weirdest experience, you know, but but here, I'm not Hawaiian, you know, so it, it, it is what it is. And um, I think for me as, as a man, it's going back to what you're saying about culture of one, spirituality of one, it's just really allowing myself to feel one. You know, mm-hmm. and be at peace with that, because at the end of the day, nobody else can can give me my peace. You know, nobody else can fill my cup. Like I, I got to be the one who goes and, and takes care and finds meaning, makes sense, and hopefully gives peace to others. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, let's take a break right now. I'm I'm I want to tie this back to cre- creativity when we get back. Sure. That's that's a that's a critical piece that you mentioned. We'll be back with Jason Walter on Design Talk Away. Thank you. Back to Matt Gilbertson and Design Talk Hawaii on AM Design Talk Away with Jason Walter. We're having a very deep, deep end of the pool conversation, which I love because I don't get these very often. Uh, I hear that a lot. We're all <laughs> you. You bring people with you, huh? I guess so. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. I mean, hopefully we're floating together, though. You know. <laughs> no, I enjoy it. I really do. And like you say, uh, looking at the sort of holy face, I, I never expected. You never know what to expect, right? We're all in this shell, and we we come in, and we and then we surprise people, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I bet you surprise all sorts of people, right? Yeah, I've heard that before too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So tell us, let's talk about it in the context. You've mentioned that being a creative and being a creative person. How, how does this flow into your work? How does this flow in through your work, or how does your work flow through it? How do you embrace your daily tasks and chores? Do you find that you are on a uh, different place? Do you just sort of divorce it, or is it always ever present? Your thinking in your creative work—it's—it's it's always present. I mean, I, and the further I go along on on this journey, I—I I feel like I cannot separate myself from it. And uh, 
in terms of how it manifests in, in my work, uh, you know, if I'm dealing with stress at work, for example, and in a business professional kind of sense, I just sort of reset ground as best as I can. I mean, don't get me wrong, I get as stressed out as the next person. Like sometimes I'll have bad dreams about work or things going on, but that's just part of being human, you know, and I think I embrace it better because of everything. And in terms of my creative endeavors outside of work, uh, it's been building up um, and increasing over the years. So I actually wrote and um, pursued publication of my first book. Um, it's called Adventures in Urban Mysticism, Om. I abbreviated it as uh, Volume 1 Rebirth, and that was published in 2012. And it kind of recaps everything up until the age of 30 when I wrote it while I was 31. And, uh, you know, it, it looks at that whole year and kind of puts it in perspective and I haven't stopped writing. So I worked at the publishing company for that and it wasn't really a good experience for me. So then I sought out, you know, other self-publishing tools. So to date, I have um, published 11 books, a lot of poetry. Wow. Um, I think my best and coolest style feels more like a mix of commentary, but with poetic elements to it. And, you know, it's the same kind of things we've been talking about and also where I'm at with my life, you know, um, as I'm going through all those things, you know. And Is it cathartic for you to do that? Is it for you to write or is it so that you feel you're sharing it with others or is it a combination? Because I can be honest, I've thought about writing and people have told me I should write. I think everybody should. And I'm scared to write. I, I, I admit it openly. I'm scared to start because I feel like my expectations are... It's terrifying. Out, out of whack with what I probably will manifest, you know? I think uh, as a writer, you never know where you're going to quite end up. And um, I mean, as, a, as an artist, architect, we always learn to carry sketchbooks, be a sketcher, be a drawer. That doesn't scare me anymore. It probably did back when I started, right? But now I can sit down and feel like I can sketch if I want to, and it doesn't make me feel good, bad, or indifferent. It's just part of a communication tool. But the, the writing world has never been part of my realm you know? writing is terrifying i think because uh, you're allowing that that voice i think of your spirit to really come out and manifest and and become physical now it's one thing if we keep that voice within that's one thing when we share it you know and it's there's a certain level of vulnerability that comes in i'll go back and i, I read that first book i have a love-hate relationship with it i love it because it's it's like it's like my first child but then i'm terrified because because it's like man like what was I thinking? You're you know, exposing cause, your cause I've grown matur immaturities then. now, in a yeah. sense. You're, yeah. But I think it's necessary. So go back to what you're saying. Is it cathartic? Is it for me? Is it for everyone? It's it's all of the above. It's it's totally therapy. You know, it helps me to make sense of the world. But there's also been people who have read some things that I've shared, and they've they've told me that it's it's helped them or it's inspired them. So you know, I don't I, I do it because I have to. You're an interesting dichotomy in the sense that you said you're an extremely logical person, and yet the world of spirituality is probably the least or maybe it is the most logical, but it seems to be the, perhaps the least logical place of logic to play a role, right? I think I give, um, I allow every part of my inner community to be heard. So I definitely have a loud inner skeptic for mm -hmm. sure. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, we all have inner mystics as well. And we all have um, inner divas and, you know, like the inner child. There, there's a community within each of us that we can experience in the world around us. And Writing has been a way for me to, to you know, at, at the core of it, I just want to be at peace. I just want to be fulfilled. I want, I want, a, I want a nice life. I want, to, I want to spend life with the people that I love and that I care about. And, you know, I want to enjoy this limited time because you never know when things are going to be taken from you. Mm -hmm. And very early on, I was very conscious of death. Um, and I, I, I know it's right there. It's right around the corner. And I don't know what's coming for me, but I know it's going to come for people I love, people I care about. And and death is not only just the physical ending of life, it, it, it's change, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, 
it's it's right around the corner. We never know when it's going to be there. So having that as a guide as well, I think has really helped me to uh, learn to be more and allow, you know, because as, as I continue to, to live like this and, 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 and just be fully, the easier it is for me to move through things. Cause if you look at the current um, news cycle, every day we're, we're left with alarming terms. You know, so I was out of the country last week and I came back and I checked the news and I'm like, wow, I missed this, this, and this. And then I pause. I'm like, well, did I really miss anything? You know, but we can get so caught up in like all oh, the next catastrophic thing that's happening. Something's going to happen is going to happen. Well, you know, it's we, interesting. We have to my, make, make peace with it. My 11 year old son, he's, um, he's a product of the times. He, he, he at times has anxieties about, because he hears stories about the world around us, you know, North Korea and all this. And as much as we all try to shield our kids from this, it can't be when their schools have, have you know, bomb warnings and under the test, test under the desk, get, you know, crawl under the desk uh, tests and warnings. Uh, and he's a, he's a hypersensitive, I would call him, in a good way. Hyper meaning good. <laughs> I use that word hyper in a positive way. Uh, he's very sensitive of the world around him. And, and But it's it's painful to watch that, that, that he's uh, having to react to these things. In a, in a way and how how much is permeating our everyday life you know yeah um for sure i don't know how to caution him but but he's having anxieties about it you know and i think did i have anxieties at 11 years old about stuff like this no i don't remember ever thinking anything about that you know um anyway it's a it's just a, it's a struggle uh we as mature adult illogical adults can pull back and see the forest right don't get caught up in the tree I just wonder how we can help prepare our kids. You know, like you say, let it go. Don't worry about it. But at the same time, geez, it makes me nervous about how we're not preparing ourselves to help them, right, with this stuff. Um, where do we go with that, you know? Well, it sounds, you know, just even you being vulnerable and willing to share that about your son, that you yeah. have great compassion and love for him, you know, and just continue to extend that. And because his journey is going to be what it is. And there's things that he needs and his generation needs to go through in order to continue this collective journey we have individual journeys we have the collective journey you know and mm-hmm. we're all at different phases of that and it's you know it's, it's like standing in line at costco some lines move faster than others some are like forever you know and, <laughs> and you as can, soon as you switch <laughs> lines you know it's going to go slower <laughs> for sure for sure you know and uh it, you know you have it a, is what it is. you should be a teacher I, I, you, you're, you're last of the four indiana jones pirate wrestler helping people it seems that you have you evolved to the helping people mostly now is it a, or is it a, is it a dance of the four i, I think it's it's a dance of the four now, but in the beginning, the charge was always to helping people. But what I really needed to do was help myself and, and find the artistic piece, the creative piece. So writing has been a big part of that. Painting is is a big part of that. How um, do you use painting? Po- poetry. Uh, how- painting is kind of like where I go in and I allow my, my inner child to just go abstract crazy. I mean, it's, it's super fun. I don't judge it as much as I would judge my writing. Um, you know, because you experience physical art in a different way than you would, I think, written art. Uh, just because... People can walk away with it and interpret it however they do. And they will do that with writing as well. But with writing, there's a certain clear intent. And now, and granted, with physical art, you can also have a clear intent too. But I think... Well, writing has more structure. Yeah. You know, I mean, it I, can. I mean, painting can have structure too, but writing definitely has well, structure. Well, with painting, I'm definitely more abstract. So I think yeah. not having much structure is why it's fulfilling. And then in terms of photography, I just enjoy... Um, you know, analog film. Yeah, I, I have a Polaroid, I have a point and shoot, I have a Holga, and then um, I'm working my way up to the SLR and just working with that. So it's just constantly allowing myself. And so I think what it's helping me do is just have a clear vision for life. And I recently completed a short screenplay, and that's oh, what oh I would gosh. like to see come to fruition at some point. Wow. It's, it's, it's inspiring to sit with someone who 
you know, I, I, I that is so open to and fluid across the creative realm that um, and challenges yourself. I'm not saying it's easy. I can guarantee you. I, I I can appreciate. You must always go through the anxieties and the stress and the fear of starting, right? As all creatives do. Do you actually, or do you jump in deep and the, not the, worry? The starting component isn't isn't the part that's fearful. It's um, the judging component once it's there. I think creativity is is to be honest the, the only place where I, I feel totally free from fear because really? it, it's so immersive and it's so um, it it just makes me so present. You know, mm-hmm. and, and jujitsu is beautiful for that too because it's all about being present. And um, if anything, I think my my spirituality you know it's learning to be mindful in order to know love like in the world around me mm-hmm. and so um, when i'm creative i'm just totally in a zone and and you know i, I love it uh even if i'm feeling anxious because i want to get to a certain point or even if i'm unsure because i don't know where to take it next or where it's going to lead me but it it totally is just the experience of presence and and i enjoy that very much yeah that's uh, man i remember times in my youth when I felt that and I've, I've mentioned it on the show many times back when I was in high school I used to disappear for the whole day down in the basement and do my creative stuff with architectural drawing and sketching and drawing and come up 12 hours later having not eaten or drank or known that it felt like five minutes right and it's fun and <laughs> you know you've made me really reflect on the fact that um, as life has gone on and has society has you know found its way into my world and my world into society I've how much of my day am I enjoying my life the same way as that? How much am I in flow? Really, that's the question. Yeah. It really made me think that because you are really sound like a person who has um, given yourself the freedom but also manifested the tools to um, stay in that flow mode longer than most and to find it and to explore it and to diversify it. Well, right? I'm working on it. You know, if, if... Well, yeah, yeah I'm, not trying to, <laughs> I'm not trying to bring you into some stratosphere, but, but I'm just giving you my honest opinion of how you're speaking is that, I appreciate that. you really do have an ability to um, give yourself that, that room and to perhaps challenge yourself, but also give yourself the opportunity um, and not have the fear dominate. Because in my era of coming through and from where I was, the fear did dominate now that I look back on it. The fear of needing a job, the fear of needing... A, a career, the fear of needing presence in the community, the fear of needing, um, you know, the confidence of knowing that I have something to fall back on, right? Yeah. All that fear, it did. I didn't see it as fear when I was in it. Now that I look back on it, it wasn't fear. It was the way it was. But now I look back on it, I think I was in somewhat of a fear factor, not not knowing it was deeply embedded in it. It wasn't driving me, but had I not been motivated by some of that, I may not have taken that path. Yeah. The more narrow, the more the more career narrow, I would call it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think all of our lives are a work in progress, and you know, as I've said, I think a few times you know, at the end of it, I just want to be fulfilled. And um, however I can get there is is really important. Well, and, that's great. I think you have some. Is there a website or anything people can find stuff about your writing or your books or anything like that? Uh, you can find my books on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Uh, dot com and my most recent book it's called season two jay waiting through the stream and in parentheses of consciousness and uh that's a fun one i say read that that's on itunes mm-hmm. I, I had a lot of fun working with the itunes uh, uh ibook author program to put it together that's fun so you uh, i sense your uh your kapuna and your in in the making i think you're going to be a, a very wise man for many 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 years and many many people so I hope uh, you can find your way to teach and uh, continue to bring that out. 
I appreciate you saying that. I'm, I'm just taking it one day at a time. <laughs> I know. So maybe maybe these words will ring true in 20 years and you'll look back. Hey, I remember when that guy said that. But honestly, it seems like you have a lot to share and a lot of wisdom to share uh, that a lot of people would benefit from. So well, I give you a... I, I thank you for the opportunity to be heard, you know, and something you said about the fear component and I'll wrap it up real quick is uh, with everything we're going through and all the voices that, that pass through us, we just have to give, we have to allow ourselves to be heard. And I think right now everyone is shouting over each other in the world and not really hearing where other people are at. And I think if you actually really hear, then you relate because there's a feeling beneath the hearing, you know, and, and I think that's why words are powerful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so Thank you for letting me be heard, and I hope that we all continue to hear one another and realize that it's the same same thing we're in. We're all in this mess together. <laughs> Island in the stars. <laughs> there you go. Well, it's been great having you. Jason Walter on Design Talk Hawaii, and thank you all for listening. Come back next week. We'll have another good conversation for you. Have a good week. You've been listening to Design Talk Hawaii with Matt Gilbertson, brought to you by MGA Architecture. Join Matt every Friday from 4 to 5 in the afternoon right here on AM760, part of the Wall Street Business Network.